You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm very excited to talk to Leon Lewis. Uh, Leon, he's the e-commerce and digital marketing lead at Rebel. That's R-E-B-B-L. And Rebel is a beverage company, but it's actually more than that. It's a cause and mission-driven brand that was started by a non-profit called Not For Sale. Um, so it's a pretty special story, and I'll let Leon tell you that story in a minute. Uh, but Leon, he has a, a ton of experience in e-commerce, actually, and he's been in the game since the late 90s, uh, when he was still a kid. So um, I'm sure this is going to be a very interesting episode today. Leon, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much, Yours. Good to connect. Cool. Um, just to get started, uh, can you tell us a bit more about your background, where did you come from in your career? How did you end up uh, at this point? Sure. Um, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a tale. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I started, um, I started in, you know, just e-commerce when I was a, a, a kid. Um, I was really into, uh, into board games and I designed a board game. And there was no way I grew up in a small town kind of, you know, in the woods uh, here in southeastern Virginia. And, um, you know, there was no way to really get it out there. So I built a website and started selling it online. And um, it ended up getting the attention of a distributor. And I got like a, you know, um, uh, kind of emerging, you know, minds award in the, in the gaming industry at the time, which was which mm -hmm. was super cool. Um, and I moved, you know, from there, I mean, music is my passion. I've been a musician my entire life. So I started a record label um, soon after that, sort of ran that through, you know, through college. Um, and that was that was a record label, but it was really like a mail order site. So we like custom built a site that had, you know, we sold thousands of books and CDs and things like that before, um, you know, there was Amazon before there was kind of a anything store, you know, we, mm -hmm. we were that. Um, and we had to build it all from scratch. I don't think Shopify was even a, a thing uh, quite yet. Um, and yeah, from there, you know, continued in the music industry. Um, I ended up at Honer, which is a, you know, old uh, German company. Um, and after, you know, sort of helping to, to run our e-com accounts there, um, was put in charge of the, the ukulele division and came to ran, uh, to run Lanakai uh, ukulele, ukulele, uh, which is the world's largest, uh, ukulele brand. Um, so, you know, spent a lot of time, um, uh, about three and a half years doing that, um, kind of back and forth from Hawaii the entire time. Um, and after that company sold, I happened to know the, um, the, the founder of Health Warrior and, you know, and met him and sort of came on board and, you know, I thought that Natural Foods was, you know, really fun. It had, you know, message. The company had, you know, a very clear cause. Um, and so I was there for three years until we exited to Pepsi a little over a year ago and um, came to join the, the team at Rebel, which I was, you know, very, very excited about. Um, you know, I remember getting the first call about being at Rebel and I like told the recruiter, I was like, let me count how many of them are in my fridge <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, between the product itself and, and, and the mission, um, you know, it's, it, it's really been just a, a, a wonderful experience and we're looking forward to uh, next year. Cool. Yeah, that's actually a great story. I mean, uh, going from board games over ukuleles to all, all the way to Rebel. Uh, tell me a bit about, about the Rebel story uh, for people who don't know the brand. Um, how how did, did Rebel get started and, and what are you guys actually selling? 
Yeah. So, you know, Rebel was um, started by a nonprofit called Not For Sale, which, you know, Not For Sale is, you know, basically built around raising awareness about human trafficking, helping to lift uh, some Native populations, you know, out of, you know, situations where they either are actively, you know, being um, victims of human trafficking or they are at high risk for it, which includes um, actually a lot of farming and, you know, agriculture operations around the world. Um, a lot of, you know, low cost ingredients as, you know, has been documented, I, I believe in some cases around some, you know, some uh, pet food, you know, where the folks that were actually, you know, fishing for it were basically slaves. They were, you know, locked up on an island and forced to fish and things like that are much more prevalent than many of us realize. It's the, the mm-hmm. fastest growing, you know, illegal industry on the planet which is, you know, shocking for most people. So Not For Sale had, you know, the idea of creating a food brand where the ingredients, you know, came from these communities and, you know, helped to to uplift them out of these situations and, you know, kind of support education and uh, and safe housing, et cetera. So thus, you know, Rebel was born. Uh, Dave Batstone, who is the founder of Not For Sale, partnered with Paulo Hawkins. Um, and, you know, they created this line of, of, you know, really delicious, you know, coconut milk, herb infused beverages. So it's a, it's a very unique product. I would credit, you know, Rebel with creating a category where you see, you know, many, many players today, um, you know, even coming at it from an outside perspective four or five years ago, when I first started to notice Rebel, you know, I mean, first it was like, okay, what is a four or $5 beverage? What does that even entail? You know, paying that much for something, which is now commonplace, you know, but also like coconut milk infused with herbs and there were plant proteins. And, you know, even just a few years ago, that was completely out of left field. Um, and now we see, you know, we're on a shelf, you know, full of, of competitors that, um, you know, are attempting to do the same thing. But you know, for us, we've really stayed true to our impact message and impact sourcing. So, um, you know, we continue to, to offer uh, much more. We've donated over a million dollars to Not For Sale at this point. Um, and I believe it's uh, over 20,000 individuals that, that we have directly helped um, through our efforts. Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's actually great. And uh, I mean, it's it's already visionary for a, a not-for-profit organization to actually start a brand uh, and, and, and a own product. But then it's also visionary to actually launched that kind of product that is now uh, a bit more mainstream than it than it was at uh, when you started out um, but you mentioned that I mean rebel is is um, committed to impact right so um, you have a, a, you're very mission driven um, but there's also an impact on on the environment right with the type of products mm-hmm. you have and and uh, the, the fuels for shipping that kind of stuff the, 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 the packaging um, how how do you address those issues? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's been an issue for us. I mean, before even getting to the e-com perspective, you know, really kind of walking the walk, you know, the way that our products are made, they, you know, have to be packaged. They can't be packaged in glass. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a food scientist, so I can't get too deep into it. But, you know, we've been forced to use uh, plastic packaging. Um, next year, we are switching to 100% uh, RPET, which is, you know, post-consumer recycled plastic packaging. Um, and we're very, you know, excited to be one of the first brands to make that full transition. And, um, you know, coming into it for, for e-com, that was, you know, that was definitely a concern. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, brands that, you know, might... Um, uh, target a similar consumer. And if you buy them online, you'll get the beverages, you know, shipped in a bunch of styrofoam. 
uh, with some toxic gel packs. And it's, you know, just feels like there's a big disconnect there. So um, after doing some research, we were able to partner with, um, with a couple of different companies, you know, one being Temper Pack. Um, Temper Pack is actually very strangely based in the same city that I am in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and they are one of the only suppliers of a fully curbside recyclable liner for shipping. Um, and they're also working on a, you know, plant-based replacement for styrofoam, which is amazing. Um, wow. and then we've, yeah, and then we've been able to work with uh, a few companies, um, Polar Tech and Nordic Ice, which both have, you know, drain safe, uh, ice packs that are also recyclable. Um, so you can, you know, it's safe to just to empty it down the drain. It's not going to do any harm to the environment. Um, and, you know, then the actual material itself is, is recyclable. So if you order Rebel online, um, you know, you're able, you're able to take the entire package, you know, and just put it by the curb for recycling, uh, which is great. It doesn't require any, you know, special processing. Um, and we're going to continue to expand on that into the future. And, we're also able to use, um, we're also able to use ground shipping for everything. That's a big policy of ours is, you know, not to do any, you know, second day air shipments, et cetera, and, you know, burn more jet fuel. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're proud that we're able to deliver Rebel. You can get it two to three days, you know, anywhere in the U.S. shipped by a ground and it's, you know, safe recyclable packaging, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. I love it uh, the way you look at uh, things. I really try to to reduce, uh, yeah, your footprint basically. Um, do you, do you notice that your customers mainly come for the product, for your message and mission, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, it's you know it's a combination of both. I think you know with our our product isn't super simple. It, you know, I mean, if you're looking for like a you know plant based protein, then it's pretty, you know, straightforward. Oh, we have a dark chocolate protein, you know, try it. But there's much, much more, you know, depth to Rebel than that, um, whether it's getting into the functionality of the ingredients, where those ingredients come from, um, or, you know, um, uh, the impact side of it, you know, of course. So we have to do a lot of work to understand, you know, when to message those particular things. But, you know, what we found as we've made this transition into e-commerce you know, Cheryl Laughlin, who was our, our former CEO when I first started, she, you know, she would ask me, like, is anyone going to buy a dozen Rebels at a time? That seems crazy. Um, and now that we've launched and, you know, we're four months into it, our average order is, you know, much larger than that. <laughs> um, so we've seen, yeah, so we've seen a, a lot of consumers, you know, who really understand, you know, the complete picture um, and, you know, are able to come online and whether they've heard of the brand and maybe had it just a few times, you know, if you look at how we built our site, um, you know, I, I really focused a lot on getting complete information about the products on the product pages in a way that, you know, is, is easy to absorb and sort of tell the story for every flavor. So we're very proud of that as well. Yeah. And then what are the main sales channels for Rebel? Is it Amazon, obviously, your own site, any other channels? Uh, yeah. So, you know, Amazon, we are, you know, a 3P seller there. You know, Amazon um, through just the main.com business has not, you know, learned to handle, um, you know, perishable or, or frozen shipping. And they actually mm -hmm. just, they don't really don't really make many concessions, you know, for, for them at all, um, which has, you know, been, been a challenge. And, you know, we continue to, to try to, uh, you know, work with them to get some, some changes made. Um, you know, the dot-com site is, is, of course, you know, a big focus for us. It allows us to develop a, you know, subscription model to consumers. And then, um, 
you know, another another site which I know is talked about a lot, but I I can can tell you there's going to be a lot of you know changes and improvements and growth in the coming years. Instacart, um, which we yeah. see as a, just a great opportunity to you know, market our products to consumers that might be shopping at a conventional grocery store and otherwise just wouldn't discover Rebel. We may only have one or two SKUs. And um, we started to invest, you know, more in advertising there because it's a, it's a great platform. Yeah. Okay, cool. So as I mentioned in your introduction, uh, you've been doing this for a long time, right? You've been in e-commerce uh, since you were a kid. Um, a lot of things have changed, uh, marketplaces, technology, consumer preferences, uh, amidst all of that, how has your strategy and approach evolved? Has like proliferation of analytics, more customer data, ad technologies, a lot of a lot has changed. How how has that changed your strategy and approach? Yeah, um, I I think that you, you know I've been fortunate to have the the experience of you know running businesses myself and and even today kind of maintain this. Um, I have a great team around me, but I'm, I'm the sole person at Rebel sort of, you know, running e-commerce. And I think, you know, today, I mean, there's so many tools, there's so much data, there's so many, you know, ways that you can measure your business day to day. And I, I try to work uh, around it and, and use it to my advantage. But I do think that, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, specialization that, you, you kind of have to look at the whole experience and, and just maintain that perspective of the consumer, you know, consistently and ask yourself, you know, am I giving the consumer all the information that they need? Does this offer make sense? Is it compelling? Um, you know, consumers, I think, are, you know, are looking for um, pretty simple, you know, just easy to use, you know, websites today, um, you know, and and a lot of, you know, sites are just kind of, um, over-engineered and, you know, and it just makes it, makes it more difficult. So we try to keep it pretty simple, you know, and, and pretty straightforward. I mean, I think that, you know, the, it's definitely gotten more complicated and it's definitely now e-com has gone from a thing where, you know, in the nineties, it was, it was kind of for, for weirdos <laughs> because if you, if you <laughs> needed to buy it, yeah, well, if you needed to buy something online, it's because you just couldn't find it anywhere else. It's not because you were searching for uh, paper towels, you know, or, or mm. you know, stocking your pantry. Um, it was for something strange. And now it's sort of an, an everyday thing. And so, you know, most people have a sense of how it works. And there is a much more technical and like detailed, you know, um, uh, you know, lots of gears happening and, uh, you know, turning in the background at all times, of course. But you know, we have to, you know, meet the customer where they are um, and just, you know, give them an experience that's easy to use, that's very consistent um, and just makes them, you know, love the brand and, and feel like they're in partnership with you um, so that you can have that ongoing conversation and really build lifetime value. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the, the, the best approach long term, right? Instead of going from shiny object to shiny object and trying a lot of stuff out, it's just put your customer at the center of everything and try to look at it from their perspective and, and try to improve their experience. And that's going to pay off in the end. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not only the landscape that has and technologies that have changed, but the roles as well, I, I guess, in e-commerce and, and you've been in a, quite a few roles now. Uh, you also already mentioned more specialization. How have your roles changed over the years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think 
in, in some ways, you know, it's the day to day is very different. You know, we use different tools and different technologies, but, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, to be, to be totally honest, my, my days from, you know, running a, you know, sort of punk rock record label mail order when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old and my days today are not that much different. You know, we, we look at the business. What are we selling? Are there customer issues? Are there, um, uh, you know, things that we can be improving on the side? Are there consistent things that we're seeing? You know, really looking at every channel and how are we converting or not converting, you know, by, by channel and just like understanding that. And really, you know, I've been fortunate to consistently have roles that give me the opportunity to take a holistic approach. And mm-hmm. I do encourage that, you know, for anyone that, you know, I look into larger organizations and uh, where, you know, Amazon might be, oh, this person handles promotions, this person handles search, this person handles display, this one handles the detail pages, dun, 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 dun. and like there is communication and there's always efforts to break down silos. But I do think that there's a risk of silos of understanding and perception. And, mm-hmm. you know, that can just that can just break the, you know, the pieces that pull the larger picture together. So um, it's been it's been interesting to me to see, you know, so many just different aspects of what I do become not just their own jobs, but their own industries. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 one where I think, you know, anyone involved in, in the business you know, rather than if you're involved in advertising, like that's wonderful, but, you know, let's, you know, try to, to break out of that and always be learning more and more so that, you know, you can, I mean, A, move into a larger role over time, you know, if you want it to be your career, um, or B, just, you know, have that broader understanding that can help inform uh, your day-to-day work. Yeah, and uh, I think that's, that's one of the challenges uh, because, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of specialization going on and and if you want to be really good at one particular field of of let's say digital marketing then you have to go all in and you have to go really really deep but the risk there is as you mentioned as well is, is that you lose perspective on on the the entire picture and and the holistic approach i find when i talk to people there's um people are sometimes over specialized i feel and they don't mm-hmm. understand the 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 as you mentioned before as well, the, the the experience of the consumer and the entire marketing picture and, and really understanding this, the way a brand is evolving and, well, the, the full picture. Everyone is so narrowed down into their uh, own field. And that's why I like the, the idea of, I believe it's called a T-shaped marketeer, um, so that you have like mm-hmm. a broad base and then you can go deep in one field, but you should keep that broad base because otherwise... Um, yeah, you're going to get lost within your uh, specialization, I think. Right. And, and I feel like, you know, that has, um, you know, helped me learn over time, right? You know, as a certain challenge presents itself, it's okay. You know, we're having trouble with um, uh, consumer, you know, shipments. Like, let's really look at how we're shipping. Okay, now I know everything mm-hmm. I need to know about how FedEx works, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, or how packaging works or the density of get used on our boxes. And, and those things have just added up over time. I mean, I'm only, I'm 34, but, um, you know, this was what I've been doing for more than half my life now. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been great because I've had those, those opportunities. And the other, the other point that, uh, you just made me think of, and, and I think it's, um, it's a little silly, but it, it's relevant. 
you know, Health Warrior is a great example. You know, Health Warrior makes uh, chia bars. They're 100 calorie snack bars. They're very small. They're less than an ounce a piece. Um, and, you know, one thing is we would be deep into marketing and like deep into worrying about sales and planning and this and that would be that every once in a while we would have to step back and say, okay, these are 100 calorie snack bars. You know, we have to, we have to give yeah. consumers a, a experience and messaging and communication that, that is realistic for 100 calorie snack bar because, you know, not many consumers are going to make it the most important thing in their life, right? You just can't do that yeah. for every item in your pantry. But if you do a really, really great job at presenting and talking about and, and selling, um, what might basically just be a, a, you know, a widget in someone's life, then you can build sales and you can build a affinity around that one thing because it becomes the best one that they relate to. But you have to approach it from how that consumer is, is perceiving it. And, and I think that when you do live in the data, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking about the numbers and how you're affecting it. You're not really thinking about like, oh, this is a, a snack bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we all think we, uh, we sell the coolest product that everyone should have, but that's not how consumers see it. And taking a step back and thinking about it and, and looking at your marketing in another way like that, it's, it, yeah, it can be eye opening because we all think, mm. well, <laughs> what we sell is, is the most important thing, but let's be honest, often right. that isn't the case. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, this is the last couple of, I don't know, months or years, there's been like that direct-to-consumer search. Um, what's, what's your opinion on that? Uh, what do you think that's going? I, I find it, I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of opinions. I mean, and on one <laughs> side, I saw, I saw an article about, you know, the rise of the, the, the direct-to-consumer bro, the D2C bro, you know, which are, you know, hotshot, you know, e-com managers, you know, burning a lot of venture capital and, you know, just making magic happen. And, and like, that's great. Like, I'm really glad that it exists. I know some of those, some of those folks and like, they do an amazing job. And, you know, to me, it's just, it's just, it's just e-com, you know, D2C is a very, is a very new and fresh term. It, you know, it existed, it existed beforehand and it was just, you know, branded e-commerce, et cetera. I do uh -huh. think that, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me some of the investments that happen, how companies position their value from their D2C business, and, you know, some of the very, very lofty projections um, that, you know, that we're starting to see play out in, you know, to just be kind of hollow. And, and what I mean is, you know, many companies are looking at, you know, their subscription growth and, okay, we are you know, we're bringing customers in at, you know, a marketing cost of $75. The fir first order is $50. You know, we are in the green for that consumer by their third order. And we just need to get X percentage to pay back the initial marketing costs. And we're just going to put millions of dollars into that machine. And then in 18 months, we'll be a $40 million a year company. And there's companies right. that go and seek investment based on models like that. Mm -hmm. And without much commentary on exactly what's going to happen in, in the middle. And I think that, you know, while it has worked, I do think that, you know, building a business that relies on this hot initial offer to get consumers in where you, you are out of the gate, you know, deeply discounting, giving someone some crazy deal. There's such a, a gap of value that's created at that moment that you're at risk of never having a consumer pay full price 
you know, for that product. And of course, if you're building, you know, a hot startup that you want to, you know, to flip in a couple of years, you may not care, you know, because you may be telling a great story. But I, but I think that, you know, for independently owned businesses and, you know, for companies that have very small budgets, I think it's a, it's a, it's a risky proposition. Um, and, you know, we've seen it play out even outside of the e-com space. You know, you can look at, uh, WeWork, which is a company that thought it would infinitely expand and that there would be, you know, an infinite number of people that would want to, you know, move into their offices and they built models that absolutely didn't pan out, but they still spent all the money they said that they would. Um, you look at Peloton today, which is, you know, has come out with an IPO and, mm-hmm. you know, they fully, they fully think that, you know, I get two out of 10, um, you know, households in America will have a Peloton in a couple of years and, you know, more power to them if that's what happens. But, you know, the every category in every industry is just so segmented and there's so much competition at every turn that you have to weigh that when you when you build out those models and you have to be very realistic. And, you know, one thing that that I was encouraged by um, uh, yours, even just looking at, you know, your agency and some of the commentary that, that you do about optimizing mm-hmm. your your organic traffic conversion rate. I, I think that that is, that is advice worth its weight in gold. You know, mm-hmm. if you're looking at a business that, you know, is, is going into e-commerce and maybe they exist at retail or maybe they do well on Amazon, but they have an existing base. Oh, our website gets, you know, 5,000, you know, customers a, you know, or 5,000 visitors a month. Like that is a perfect place to start to build your business because you have so much to learn about selling to those consumers that already know something about your brand before you can even begin to extract value out of consumers that don't know anything about your brand and you have to reach them through very expensive advertising. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about D2C. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I feel like we should do a, a separate episode on D2C. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it is a big topic and it's a very nuanced topic as well. And uh, yeah, so maybe we should uh, schedule that. Yeah, we only have a few minutes left, but um, if you would start over again, is there anything you would do differently? Um, that's a, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, you told me you were going to ask me that one and I, yeah. and I thought <laughs> about it. And, and, you know, I think, um, you know, for, for me, I'm, I, I, you know, feel very, you know, fortunate to be where I am. I, I, and to, you know, get to work for some wonderful cause based companies. And, um, I think back to the company that I, I ran, um, when I was a teenager and, you know, and through college and, um, we tried very hard and we had a lot of growth and, and, uh, it's a long story. There were some, some, you know, tragic things that unfortunately happened and, and it, it kind of, it caused me to give up. And, you know, and I moved on and, you know, that has opened up everything that, that happened since then. But at the same time, some of the artists that we were working with at the time, um, you know, uh, uh, Future Islands being one of them, Girl Talk have, you know, went on to become, um, you know, international, international touring artists. And, you know, we were working with them right before they sort of started to blow up. And so I always, I always think about like, if I just, you know, really, really toughed it out, you know, through the, the opportunity um, or through those challenges that, you know, those opportunities would have revealed themselves. But, um, you know, at the same time, that was 
I was 21. That was 2006. And then 2008 happened a few years later and, uh, or 2007, the whole financial crisis. And, and, you know, who knows how that would have panned out, but, um, that one does kind of weigh on my mind sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you could have been filthy rich, but you could have <laughs> been home- homeless by now as well. Who knows? So yeah. it is all good, right. <laughs> of so, course. um, of course. Yeah. Uh, over all those years, a lot of experience in e-commerce. What's the biggest mistake you made? Um, I think you know the biggest mistake that I've made is is um, you know it, it takes a while to um, you know to learn to really trust yourself and you know to absorb that you have um, uh, you know expertise in something and you know to accept that reality that hey you know I know what I'm doing. And, you know, and we can go out there and we can make this happen and, and there's no need to, you know, to doubt yourself. Um, so I think it's, it's, you know, that's been a big mistake. And then, you know, also, um, you know, for a long time, I, you know, neglected my health. I was not as healthy as I could have been. I, you know, was 250 pounds and, you know, and today I'm, you know, um, much, much, you know, less than that after just learning to, you know, separate my life and my work a little bit. And, and those things, you know, truly took me a long time to, um, to work through. So those, those were both, both mistakes that I learned from. And I absolutely, absolutely, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it because uh, most people say something like, oh, I made a, the wrong hire. And you say, trust yourself and take care of yourself. And I like that because that's, that, that applies to anyone. If you have an e-commerce business or, or, or not, if you work for someone or if you're an entrepreneur, I, I really like that. Um, Hey, Leon, this has been uh, great. And uh, yeah, again, we could go on for hours probably about D2C alone. Uh, but yeah, we're out of time. And I just want to make sure that people uh, know where they can find you or connect with you. They would like to connect with you. But what's the best place for that? Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I love connecting with people and just, you know, chatting and, and you know, providing my thoughts on anything. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn at Leon Lewis. Um, and my email is just Leon uh, at rebel.co, R-E-B-B-L.co. Um, and feel free to reach out. I love to connect and just, you know, chat about things. And if I can ever lend my opinion, I'm, I'm happy to do so. Cool. Thank you so much for being here, Leon. It's been absolutely great. All right. Thank you so much, yours. I really appreciate the opportunity. The e-commerce excellence podcast is sponsored by Dexter.agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.